2: So, Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 22 of the More Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitra. I'm in Toronto, Ontario. I'm joined by Aaron Bay in Whitby, Ontario. Hello there. And I'm also joined by Jaime Lopez in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And Mark Rubin is in San Jose, California. Hey, everybody. So uh, there's a couple of interesting uh, developments in, um, I guess, some people releasing some numbers. Uh, Marco Arment um, is one, and monument valley is another and i think that the guy who produces dash has, has um, posted some information but i think what what sort of rounded up the conversation was again a post by marco armet on his uh, um blog marco.org um talking about his overcast revenue numbers and i think aaron wants to uh, jump in and say something about that
1: i guess but you know we keep sending traffic to this marco kid he's going to become oh, famous whatever. one day i think well, it's, it's good for Marco, as we all it, like it, to is, say, right? it is good for Marco to have traffic from our <laughs> podcast. I hope his servers can handle it. Listen, <laughs> Marco, don't blame us, okay? Don't yeah, send me right. an email. Um, okay, so... I, he starts off, nobody ever wants to talk about money. And uh, that's not true. I always want to talk about money. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. It's just that nobody wants to share their numbers. And I'm thrilled about this latest burst of activity in this topic. And so seeing um, Marco sharing his numbers for Overcast uh, was really gratifying. I'll, stop, I'll start off by saying that um, I, when I started reading this article, I came to it from the perspective of someone who is looking to know what I think of as the top-performing indie developer could stand to earn making an iOS app, sort of like a, mm-hmm. to frame the discussion, if you will. Marco um, has the benefit of a lot of experience as a developer. Um, he's got a great track record of making quality apps. He's very well known, uh, at least in our community. Um, mm-hmm. And he's making an app that is in broad distribution and a lot of people listen to podcasts and a lot of people are his potential customer uh who are ios users so when i look at uh, overcast i think of an app that uh could potentially be a really great earner and if i'm thinking of myself as an independent ios developer um i gotta think of marco as one of the the top um prospects if you will in in our league (laughs) if you want to call it that Mm -hmm. Uh, sports metaphor so I, here I am reading this article, and I'm looking at his numbers, and let's just get them out there. He has 318,000 total downloads. Oh, 319. Um, 46,940 in-app purchases. And his in-app purchase for Overcast is a $5, right? $499 uh, to so unlock like that, yeah. everything, right? So the idea is that um, you pay the money, and then you unlock the special features that make Overcast. Overcast, basically. Um, yeah uh, smart speed and the, uh, the, uh, what was the other one? Uh, voice something you know, with the, voice boost, I think. Thank you. That with the hair. Right. So, uh, yeah.
2: <laughs> um, so it, it is significant to say too, that, that he's, that's 14% of his downloads are, are in app purchases, which I think is pretty, pretty high. Uh, based on my experience.
1: Oh yeah, sure. It, I mean, it's a good number and his revenues yeah. are good numbers. So he made one hundred and sixty four thousand one hundred and thirty four dollars total revenue, and that 's after revenue mm-hmm. uh, apple's thirty percent um, but before any of his his taxes and et cetera um, mm-hmm. in the first month eighty five k now going outside of that, i mean obviously he went into you know uh, normal territory if you want to call it that <laughs> uh, after that first month of launch and so his average monthly revenue fifteen point six thousand dollars so mm. Um, what do you guys think of that?
2: That's great. I mean, if that's if that's what he's that that's sustainable for just about anybody, I think. In terms of if you were able to get you know fifteen thousand per month, that's that's actually quite quite a good uh, living. I, I mean, I, I I wouldn't be driving a Lamborghini. I don't think he is either, but but still. Well, it, actually, it, it he's would got do,
1: it, certainly make you comfortable, right? Yachts and helicopters um, <laughs> from his his uh, Tumblr stock, I'm sure. But um, oh, okay, well, yeah. So he's already doing okay. I don't know that he, uh, you know, is, is happy to be making this money, no doubt. But um, anyway. Well, uh, it, it actually, it depends mark, on, on yeah. how
3: much time he's putting in now on this, right? If, if he did a whole bunch of work up front and now he's spending, you know, 10 hours a week maintaining things, then this is fantastic, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 If it's if he's working on it full-time and doing nothing else then yeah, you know, then it's it's pretty good it's not it's not amazing but it's pretty good
2: yeah yeah. yeah yeah well i mean i meant as a working income that would be a decent amount of money to be making but right. um just so so coming back to what we talked about at the top of the this topic with the fact that we we're talking about marco Arment who's obviously you know got reputation and, and i didn't realize about the yachts and the the tumblr stock and whatever so he already came into this well no i mean he already came into this with with uh a reputation so it, you know there's sort of a, you know is he the tom hanks of of ios development i mean is that part of part of the reason why his app was able to do as well as it does and because people like us keep promoting him you know through through conversation you know i mean that's a lot of a lot of what, mar- what marketing happened does is is you know, I tell two friends and you tell two friends and so on and so on, as the, as the old expression goes, right? So is is part of his success based on the fact of who he is?
1: He disputes and, and that. what he's done before. So you you think? You, I know he disputes it. Uh, he tweeted it yeah. to that effect and he's, he's said as much on previous podcasts going back, you know, um, yeah. through various other uh, podcasts that he's been on. And um, mm-hmm. it's not just his opinion, you know, you talk to other developers, like I think of, of Dan Jalkit, um, mm-hmm. who's also got a podcast, Core Intuition, and who is also a fairly well-known guy and making a living mm-hmm. off his Mars Edit app. And right. uh, like them, uh, Marco uh, would say, that's, you know, the, the audience that you've built up and the uh, attention that you get in the marketplace only wins you that first month of sales. Which right, which right. was a blockbuster month, you know. Obviously, eighty five k. Yeah. But uh, you know, when you go down to your regular whatever fifteen k a month, he says that it's that's not because of who he is. That's because of his app, and you know that that's po- possible. Mm-hmm. But I tend to think that his fame, if if you will call it that, um, mm-hmm. won him that original set of some. Well, I could do the math here, but. You know, he's had three hundred and eighteen thousand total downloads. A large percentage of that happened in the first month. And those people became you know, responsible for the marketing of his app as well going forward. Yeah, right? the champions, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, I would I would prefer to call I would prefer to call it reputation as opposed to fame because I mean yeah, not, he's not he's not uh Paris Hilton. He's he's Mark Warman. He's he's you know he's has a reputation as a as a pundit in our industry and and a producer of good apps.
1: Right. He's so. he's well known and the things that he does and yeah. says um, are heard by many more people than those that listen to us. For example, sure. Uh, that's not yeah. jealousy. That's just that's cold hard fact. Um, yeah. So I I would propose that his fame does help him. Sorry, I said it again. <laughs> it's a shorter word. Uh, okay. His reputation yeah. helps him and his audience helps him. If 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 he's inclined to um, to downplay that, that's fine. That's fine for Marco. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. why we say it.
3: <laughs> um, yeah, that's good for Marco. But again, but yeah, the- he has he has definitely has has fame within. I think this is what you were saying, Tim, as well within the community. But does that really extend yeah. outside to the to the larger app purchasing audience? I, I kind of doubt it.
2: Well, no, but it, what I'm what I'm saying is that that you know a lot of a lot of the apps out there that have that have gotten buzz over over the you know the Flappy Birds and and the Angry Birds and all that kind of stuff have gotten a lot of reputation or sorry a lot of um, sales or, or downloads have been based on you know other people telling you know their friends about this this app that they got whether it's like at a party or in a social event or at work or the office. You know, and eventually that spread. I mean, a lot like in the case of Flappy Birds, a lot of it happened because the high school kids got a hold of it, right? Yep. And and all of a sudden, you know, it's just sort of spread. I mean, that's how Facebook started, too. I mean, it was sort of the colleges, you know, started telling. My, my niece told me about Facebook when she started at, at university, you know, and and that's how I found out about yeah, it back yeah. in
3: the day, right? So so, so those mm-hmm. are two yeah. examples. And I'll add another one, Yik Yak, and I'll add an even fourth one, uh, WhatsApp, that did this mm-hmm. completely without any rock star developer behind it. Right, right right. so yeah. so i do think i do agree that that uh, having someone with a big name will help with the initial exposure in yeah, say initial launch. Sure. yeah the blogging community the you know you go to some of the bigger websites they're much more likely to talk about an app if they know the person uh as opposed to mm-hmm. just something that that is put out there with 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 no kind of fanfare at all uh so i, I agree that will contribute potentially uh to the initial sales through sort of a an avalanche effect of, you know, who, uh, whatever the, the bigger sites are talking about, those are the ones that the even bigger sites are going to start talking about. And and then that gets a name out there as well. Yes. Right.
1: I think it all helps. It's It's a big deal to have a lot of people use your app on day one or month one. And going on from that, you know, all those people that have used it can influence additional people. Right, now, having said all that, it app. wouldn't exactly. Yes, yes. <laughs> just yes. saying yes. that yes. it's got to be a good app, or it's or it's not going to be worthwhile. And yeah. and Overcast is a good app. It's a very good app, right? right. So Agreed. i know he deserves everything that he's got here, and I'm happy for him. And this is mm-hmm. great. Um, my point in talking about this um, has nothing to do with um, how, you know, whether he has done well or not, you know, and that it's great. My, my, I think the thing that, that draws me to this, this article is the fact that as I started by saying, this is top tier indie developer earnings. All right. So let, let, let's address that. Let's address that. This is, uh, that if you're an indie developer, um, the, the most you can make is $15,000 say,
2: Oh, I see what you are saying. Yeah, right, right. Well, because there's also the also the the numbers that and Marco links about links to it on the same blog, um, which we'll put in the show notes. Is the 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 guy who produced Dash, which we think I think we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Um, so that was somebody's pick, right? Um,
1: I think it was yours, Tim. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Maybe
2: not. Yeah, you are right. It was. Yeah, no, you are right. It was me. Yeah, duh. <laughs> I didn't download it. I just I just talked about it. But yeah, so I mean, he he also produced produces his numbers for two thousand fourteen to show what. Uh, what kind of stuff he's doing. I don't know if he's necessarily spells it out quite as clearly as Marco does. He's got some nice charts and graphics. The and charts things, are very but, nice. Actually, this is the
1: first time looking at but, this.
2: Well, I, I do remember we talked about this in a couple of chat groups I was in. Um, and that, you know, he's, he's, I think six figures or five figures is what he's bringing in monthly or uh, on a regular basis. So he's doing okay. But I mean, but again, it's another, another case where it's a really good app and, and it, and it fits a, a huge niche Um you know, from the point of view, this is the one that that supports uh, offline documentation for you know, and and it fixes what Apple broke in the in the Xcode documentation, but it also supports other languages documentation, and you can you know download it to your device and then, and have at it. And I think it's a uh, Mac app as well. As yeah, Apple's Mac out. and
1: iOS. In fact, like looking right. at um, this this uh, article, uh, this is mm-hmm. actually this invalidates everything I was thinking earlier. So <laughs> hur- hooray for us! Okay. Um, it right. looks like he's. I don't know what the average is, but he's definitely uh, making considerably more than $15,000 a month Mm -hmm. Um, in between his Mac App Store and uh, direct sales and iOS App Store, I guess. Um, but but as as indie developers, these guys are outliers, though, right? I mean, they're not they're not
2: part of what we consider the norm as an independent developer, right?
1: Oh, God no. <laughs> yeah, but that's not the point, Tim. This is the high bar. <laughs> yes, it's yeah, the high okay. bar.
3: Well, you know, let, let me quali- let's qualify the statement a little bit. Sure. Um, this this okay. pro- uh, potentially is the high bar for a top tier indie developer doing a podcasting app, right? Right. I, I think mm-hmm. I think the numbers will scale greatly. If if he were writing the same article about a hot game, the numbers would probably be a factor of ten higher. Yeah, yeah, true. So really? yeah, so oh, let's yeah. Call, mm-hmm. yeah, we got let's keep the you know apples to apples. Let's
2: well, I was, I was actually I no had actually intended. switched over to talking about talking about the dash app, which is which is a which is a guy who's making even more money. Oh, okay. For, I'm sorry. Like, sorry, yeah. Yeah. yeah,
3: yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I fine. just clicked on the link. And, well, yeah. There you go. Yeah, much is, here. it's a
2: much you know, yeah. it's a much more it's a productivity app, but it's it's more likely to be in the neighborhood of something that a lot of people would use because it's it's a, a good utility tool, and, and a lot of people talk about it in, in our business again, not necessarily for podcasting, but for more for a production productivity, productivity app, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh-huh. which which is music to I, my
1: ears, really, because I love productivity apps and <laughs> seeing and that they can do well. This is such a great story because uh, Dash is great software and Mm -hmm, we come mm -hmm. right back to it you know the the if we can all just believe that great software is what it takes to be successful then i can spring out of bed in the morning and here's two examples yeah
2: Yeah, i know i i i I definitely think that that uh that if your work is good and compelling it 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 will win the day for you Aaron. i do i do believe that you know i'd like to believe it
1: yeah we all like to believe it here's evidence Yeah, that's true.
2: But I mean, there's also, and it also comes back to that whole, the, the point about the, the circle that you run in. Um, you know, I, I was talking to some people this week, you know, who are in a sort of a higher level of of potential business development, if you will. Um, and there were people at the table that I've, that I've, you know, I've heard about these mythical characters like the money men and that kind of stuff, but I've never actually been in the room with one before. And it's a completely different dialogue you know in terms of what happens so I think that you know and there's more uh, you know when you when you hang when you talk to successful people who are doing running successful businesses and I've had the privilege of doing that through uh, another membership that I belong to but you know never been able to reach that that brass ring if you will but 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 talk to people who have and you've managed to make successful businesses for themselves um, it's inspiring and and you know you you get you you can get you can sort of see some of the little things that they did along the way that that actually maybe you didn't think about doing, which were, which are you know uh, helpful to the cause, right? Such as? So, I, well, such as. Well, w- one of the things obviously is, is is forming a team around yourself to. to you know, so you can delegate off responsibilities that you're not necessarily good at. Like, for instance, I'm good at accounting, I like accounting, but I suck at it when it comes to time management, right? So it takes me a long time to do what my actual accountant can do for me. So I, you know, I spend... You know, several hundred dollars a month on this guy, and I don't worry about that kind of stuff. And, and it, you know, things get taken care of without my having to worry about them, right? Yeah, you know, that's I a big just have deal. to follow up on one or two. Yeah, so it's helpful. I mean, I was losing a day and a half worth of product productivity working on accounting. Well, why? You know, that my, my time and effort is better spent doing something, doing, uh, doing, working on what I'm uniquely skilled at, right? So, and that's kind of, that's, that's one, one small example of, of, uh, of a thing. Another, another one is using, Um, Some uh, forms and things like that to work on strategies and do positive positive affirmations on the work you've done. Because a lot of times you go through a work week week or a work day and you think, geez, I didn't get anything done. But if you sit down and actually account for what you did get done, you'll actually see that you actually did make progress, right? And these kind of little things, um, you know, they re-energize you, right? They build your confidence. And building confidence, you know, as they say, uh, increases your clarity and your ability ability to continue on with, with the mission, which is, you know, getting out of bed and making a decent living at things, you know, or having a successful app or product or whatever it is. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I guess, you know, the thing about these articles that that give their numbers is that you're only going to do it if your results are good, right. Or really bad and you're just pissed off. (laughs) I've seen some of those too. Um,
3: Yeah. This is, I think I've made this point a few times before that, that uh, there's, there's a lot of, and we've talked about this many, many times. That that there's this big uproar in the in the pundit community that that uh, you can't be an indie developer because you can't make a living or whatever. And and I I think it's it's there's some selection bias that the people who are talking about it are the people who are in that boat, and the people who aren't just aren't talking about it so much. So there's mm-hmm. a yeah. there's a um, a sense when you read a lot of articles that things are a lot worse than maybe they really are
1: you know when when the discussions happened on twitter around these articles there have been people other indie developers who have chimed in and said i'm doing okay you know like they're you know you, you i'm not famous like marco uh but uh i'm making a good living and you know it's with an app that you've never heard of you know i guess you know you keep coming back to it there's hundreds of millions of iOS users out there and so there's a lot of room for a lot of people to make their livings from it. Um just gotta find your place in it. You know, one of the examples of the bad is, is Jared Sinclair's on uh expose, if you will, when he he released his own numbers, which were actually they weren't terrible. Uh they just weren't what he was hoping for and uh decided to shut it down, right? But so, I don't know. Um, I, I think uh, overall it's it's a good news story for independent developers. I think if uh, you you make a good app, <laughs> then you can win and be successful. Um, and I think that's all there is to it. It's just, um, you know, Gus Mueller of uh, uh, Flying Meat Software. Years ago, I mean, we've been talking about this for a long time. But years ago said, you know, when, when faced with complaints that they can't make it in the app store, his response was... You know, how how do how do you know that your app doesn't just suck? <laughs> <I'm>
0: just, <laughs> That's
2: a good point. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So So I, I wanna hear what the fly on the wall in Seattle has to say about this, because he hasn't said much.
0: Yeah, I'm kinda of taking it all in. I think a lot of the same opinions I, I share there. I'd be kinda of curious to see here as I'm looking at these charts from Marco where certain events happened, because that was pretty useful on the Monument Valley charts that I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because... Uh, while I do generally agree that yes, you know you know overcast had a huge first month, which is obviously related to all the podcasts that you know Marco's friends with and talked with and, and, and sure. other you know nice good quality things and then the the quality of the app kind of helped keep um as you can see the the in app purchase numbers i think relatively stable but i would take i would take a little bit of a different tack on like oh yeah, you see it it's it's not related to um you know, reputation, because Mm -hmm. if you look at that enormous, enormous spike in the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. Like what is that based on the way that the app store works? What does that help? Well, that helps maintain the fact that you are at the top of the chart because there aren't that many podcast players to begin with. There's a fair amount of competition. Don't get me wrong. But in that, in that category, and you know, whenever you look at these charts, like if you're at the top, it's way easier to stay at the top because you're much more discoverable, Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And I think if I look at certain things, like um, on the second chart, I could see a spike where people are getting new devices, new iOS devices. And then I can see where Christmas happens. There's a couple of spikes that I can't really explain, but knowing that folks like uh, John Gruber of Daring Fireball and Jim Dalrymple from The Loop and a couple other pretty well-known folks could have influenced those spikes as well, right? Like it's it's pretty obvious that to me that the, the December 15th through you know, early January 15, 2015 is pretty obviously because this was at the top of the app store for, on some chart somewhere and possibly even like on the best of list. So I think it's a little disingenuous to say, oh, well, no, it doesn't have to do with my reputation. No, it, 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 it helped. Like, don't, don't, it, we, we shouldn't be like, oh, well, it's cause it's Marco. I have no chance and blah, blah, blah. Like we shouldn't look at it negatively, but we shouldn't be dismissive of the the obvious impact that it has.
2: And it's a good positive impact. Wow. As an analogy, I can totally give give you an idea we we've talked obviously about our our own our show and how well it's doing and it's doing pretty well we're, we're growing you know listeners every every month and thanks to the new people who've listened to us over the last little while um, my last tweet that I talked about the show the uh, the one where I talked about Swift ready not here it comes um it quite got quite a bit of exposure I was showing Aaron some of the numbers the other day. Um, if I look at the analytics on Twitter, and and there was a number of other retweets based on the same subject matter, and they they did fairly well too. I mean, so we had well over a thousand uh, Twitter feeds that our our my little tweet went into. So and that certainly has helped you know gain more audience. So again, welcome to those listeners, but. I also, as you know, work with a couple of high-profile clients, and so sometimes I'll, I'll be, you know, working—not uh, that I necessarily get paid for—but I just I like to sponsor all my friends. If you guys have anything you, you guys want to put out there, I will certainly retweet them, as you may have already noticed. But so, you know, I have a, a, a client that I work with who who regular tweets stuff, and and sometimes I tweet things that that uh, he may be interested in, and when he retweets what I tweet, right, my tweets jump from a mere, you know. Couple of hundred, maybe fifty to a hundred, to thirty-four thousand exposures. Wow! Right. So that's that's what I'm. I'm not saying that Marco gets thirty-four thousand uh, things, but when somebody has a lot of followers and already, and and they put out a statement, whether it's positive or negative, or somebody else mentions it, it has quite a bit of traction. And I mean, even if you think about it, if thirty-four. If I tweet, if, let's let's imagine for a minute that. That my my buddy would retweet one of my more than just code podcasts to 34 and we got 34, thousand exposures I would expect to get more listeners totally a lot more mm-hmm. listeners than mm-hmm. we're doing by ourselves right
1: yeah. so well I think the, our own history as a podcast and our listenership um, is a much more realistic example of what you get. For a regular indie developer right there's no spike when we launched right <laughs> we launched no, with no. with yeah. three listeners and one of them was my mom and
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah well you're lucky my mom doesn't even know i have a podcast <laughs>
1: yeah it's true actually i i was just joking there it took weeks before i <laughs> my mom knew about it um yep. but then you know we're growing very slowly and very organically but we've done around sure. 22 now and you know do we have like over a 1,000 regular listeners? Is that what my understanding is? Something like that anyway. But the whole point is, like, you, if you've got something that people care about, you will succeed if you keep at it, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. This, is, yeah. this is the message that I think every independent developer needs to understand. Unless you're famous already or you've got some kind of um, you know connection to a big name, a large audience, et cetera, you get out the gate and you're going to be nothing. <laughs> and, um, mm-hmm. you can, you can grow and you can improve. And if you stick with it and your stuff is good, you'll succeed. You know, where yeah. did Marco start from? You know, he started from zero. So, true. you know, you
3: know I, I 100% agree, but I'll also say that that's true for pretty much anything. You've got nothing to do with Absolute. being an indie, indie developer.
1: Yeah, but we only have indie developers listening to us. So I'm, I'm talking to that, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> but of course you're right. Of course you're right. I mean, that's, right. you know, everything. everything
2: well and it comes back to like we've been saying all along it's it's not a matter of and i think everybody should realize this too it's not a matter of just putting an app on the app store and and you know the business will come you literally have to get out there and and promote the app i mean you're going to get the organic stuff off the off the the get-go and and if you're lucky enough to have apple feature you or or you know talk to apple's marketing and get them to feature you that does help and and you know when you get featured uh, you will see a spike. You know, you'll see initial. You'll see the initial jump up when you first launch. I I, I talk to a lot of developers. You know, who put out apps and they're they're in, initially excited because you get that. You know, the buzz for the, the week or two that your app launches and gets noticed as as a new app, and then and then it kind of tails off, and then you're just sort of scrumbling along in fact you should almost not even look at the first two weeks of of your app launch if you want to see how your app's doing over time right so yeah for sure and then you can do things like you know updates help you know update your app you know refresh your icon put in some new features those things will help your app gain more traction more more people and and but you you really have to get behind it and market it and tweet about it and get your you know get people promoting it to to really sort of get it going and that's you know we've been promoting our little podcast here and and our our work is paying off and and we're getting more people to to check us out right yeah and and it's a matter of just being you know telling people about your what what you're doing what your work whether it's an app or you know a website or what have you right so a new book you're working on people will help you people that's that's how that's i think that's the secret to success is is having other people recommend your product to them to other people to their friends and so on, because we can't all afford to, to pay for the kind of money that, that uh, you know, the Clash of Clans are paying for those TV commercials they make, right? You know? That's true. But you <laughs> know I mean, what helps
0: is, is people, you know, telling other folks about us, because it's a little meta here. And also, you know, writing reviews in iTunes is like incredibly helpful. I've seen a couple other podcasts get uh, kind of start where we are and get also pretty successful because they had dedicated fans that went out and, and did just that little bit, just like a couple of minutes to take time to write a, a review and so that helps, yeah, uh, it helps people, other people find
2: do, us. Pe- yeah. Well, uh, from my experience on, on apps and Mark, I've talked about this before, um, you know, we've had well, one, one particular app, I can tell you, we've had half a million downloads and we probably had a handful of reviews right over the time, over time. So it's a very small percentage of people who actually take the time to review your stuff. Hopefully it's a positive review because bad, you know, negative reviews don't help. But if some, if you do like a product, whether it's an app or a podcast and, and you know, we're not saying this to, to, have you guys write reviews for us but please do um but that's what people do they check it out they go what's this mtjc thing about and they'll go over there and they'll read a positive review or accidental podcast or you know core intuition or whatever release notes whatever it happens to be you go over to the site you check out the site you see what other people are saying about it maybe you'll ask your friends on twitter hey what's this (laughs) podcast about you know um, i've had comments from people saying hey i didn't even know you had a podcast and, and i just subscribed and that's been happening over the last couple of weeks right so Mm-hmm. It's all good. Do you like more than just code
0: podcasts? It.
2: Go write a review. I love it. <laughs> Do you not like it?
0: <laughs> Send a tweet to at mtjc underscore podcast on Twitter. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, we've, a- we've actually had a few people write some comments on on the website in the last couple of uh, couple of weeks too. And that that's helpful because that opens a dialogue with us, right? So,
3: mm-hmm. and yeah, mm-hmm.
2: certainly reach out to any of us on Twitter, of course. But that—that's that, true of any product. That's what my point is, right? It's not just about about you know, trying to get our get our our numbers up or whatever. But it's about it's about that. This is a product. We're we're producing a product here, more than just a podcast, right? And you know, as indie developers, we want this to be successful as well. So I had an interesting conversation the other day with a guy from a high end development shop uh, because I have a couple of quotes that I'm working on that require. Um, big budget approaches and uh i reached out to a group of developers that i run with and i'd forgotten that he was a member he pinged me back and i sort of said oh i hadn't even thought about you guys right because like you know that's like the top dog or one of the top dogs right Um, unless you guys know any about any other top dog shops out there that i don't know about go on no (laughs) anyway so what was interesting was he was talking so he talked to me a lot about how how um how they, you know, how they could augment either, you know, supplement my staff or I could, you know... Uh I just hand it off to them and take a referral or their, their pricing model is a monthly, monthly cost per developer. So if you want two or three developers, like a couple of developers and a product manager or one developer and a product manager, I sort of said to them after I thought about it a while, I, I sent them back a ping later on saying like, what do you do when you have a customer that's indecisive? You know, like most of my, a lot of my clients, you know, they'll work on something. I'll, I'll do some code. I'll send it back to them. They'll go back to their committees and decide on, you know, whether the icon should be blue or teal, you know, kind of thing, right? And they'll debate that for a week before they come back and me with a change. And you know, I and Mark Mark and I know we worked on 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 that gap for pretty much uh, almost a full year at least, right, Mark? Before before we launched it. Yeah, it was
3: a long time. Yeah,
2: yeah, and and it was a lot a lot of that was, you know, Mark and I would go away and work on stuff and then we would we would, you know, merge our code and send and send them a build and then it would two or three days before we heard back sort of thing sometimes right and and because they're doing other things right and so I sort of said to how do you deal with that and he sort of said well it's just we're on the clock and the clock is running you know but it, interesting from the point of view of how a shop would work as opposed to you know as opposed to just by the hour or by the project you know kind of thing right because I don't know how you guys quote jobs but when you when you quote stuff on project you're kind of always sort of um you're always estimating
1: and you're putting a bit of buffer in there to sort of cover off your time, you know? Yeah. Well, in their case, I think they've got to be talking about, um, dealing with really big companies, right? Like for four to eight developers or, you know, staff, then they're dedicated to that job, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And and they'll have staff
1: internally that is dedicated to this job.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But
1: I charge by uh, the hour.
2: Do you, you, well, here's the thing. I, I, I calculate my prices based on hourly work, or you know, into even rolling in Mark's work. If Mark's working with me, I'll, I'll use his sort of numbers. But I don't ever try to reveal the hourly cost to the client. I don't want to be commoditized, right? Yeah, yeah. So, and that's the danger in any any small business when you become commoditized, then you're just like you might as well be selling, you know, about a bag of
1: screws, you know. Well, but I think people are smarter than that. I, I think they recognize that not every developer is the same, and the only difference is their hourly rate. Right, I mean yeah. that that would be a very naive position. Not that some people oh. don't take it, but <laughs> yeah. Um, well,
2: it, what's interesting too on the other side on the other side of that coin is is uh, as well as you know trying to reaching out to to fill the the, the positions for these two projects I got going. Um, I've gotten a lot of um, individual developers and some studios come back to me with with stuff, and and generally the rates are all all within the same sort of uh, range just per hour sort of thing. so...
3: Yeah this this current uh this current gig that I'm doing now has actually been pretty eye opening uh, along these lines. Uh it seems to me that um first of all that rate that is is asking is not at all unreasonable uh right. and uh is kind of exactly what other people are are asking um mm. for mm-hmm. for doing mm-hmm. even less. Less work at times, so so um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I'm not shocked by that in the least, and I'm also finding that uh, generally the uh, shops do charge by a, a fixed time period as opposed to an hourly thing. You know, you know, they're shocked by think, the day. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm seeing that. I mean, without question, that's what's happening. Um, this company uses a lot of contractors, and I started out doing it hourly because that's how I just normally work. And they sort of yeah. quickly said, "Well, can we just you know switch you over to a fixed rate and?" name your fixed rate. And, and I did. And right. fixed
1: rate and per day or fixed per rate per month, job
3: per month, per month. Yep. Okay.
2: Yep. Oh, really? Yep. Wow. Okay. Yep. So, so let me ask you though, what does it, I mean, we kind of know what Aaron's work like work days like, cause he's kind of explaining, you know, he shows up at his desk at nine and works till five and then that's it. Right? Yeah. So are you putting in an eight hour day? Or oh, I absolutely. It,
3: I'm putting in, yeah, I'm putting in more, uh, I would say more than eight hour days uh, most of the time, but that's just, that's just cause it's me. I don't, I don't have to, right. I could get by doing a lot less than I do. Uh, but you, Tim, you know me, I mean, you know, I, I work a lot. So, um, there's no question. yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so I, I put in more time just because it's me. Um, but so what, when I'm in LA, yeah, I'm down there. I go into the office around eight and we break usually around six, um, Usually, because there's a whole group going across the street to get a drink, so and I'll, and I'll go with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, a lot of times I'll go back to the hotel, I'll work a little extra if I, if there's something I want to get done. But, but when you're working on free, when you're working as a sort of in a
2: freelance mode, do you do you put in the eight hour days sort of like when you were working for me? Would you sit down at your desk and do eight hours solid, or would you work four hours here and then three hours there? Yeah,
3: I, I tend way. to work four hours here, three hours there, and yeah. you know, because you know, I'll work into the night, especially with you, Tim. We're we're working in the night, so <clears throat> you know, so. Um, you know, if I'm if I'm starting at eight o'clock and trying to work till ten o'clock at night or midnight, then you know I'm, it's yeah. not going to work. So, so I tend to yeah. break it up. Yeah. So, Aaron, how
2: do how do you break up your day? Like uh, other than what I just said about the the sort of the strict discipline, are you that strictly disciplined, or 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 is it because of your family and all that kind of stuff? You yeah, have it's it's down? really
1: around their schedule. So, uh, right. I'll work from actually eight thirty because my daughter's in school and I've I've taken her to school and I'm back at home in front of my desk at eight thirty, so I start then. Mm-hmm. Um, and I break at about eleven twenty or so to pick her up from school. We have lunch. Uh, I take her back to school. Uh, I come back to work. So mm-hmm. from about, uh, 12, 15 until three, I pick her up from school, bring her home. And then, uh, three 30 till five working. Um, and that's, so that's my day. Right. And then I work on my own projects at night. Right. Right.
2: So, and you, so your other, your, your personal stuff, you kind of crank away at that, like, you know couple of hours a
1: night kind of thing or yeah yeah depends yeah. on the day but uh yeah like uh an, an hour or two and then weekends more
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and what about you Jaime? i know you you're in the office every day but or is that the case and and are you do you work on personal stuff as well or i, how do you break sh- your day up? I haven't had a whole lot of time for
0: personal stuff so my my blog has been languishing a little bit as i think about it <laughs> oh, um, blogs my god <laughs> <laughs> um you know when i'm in the office now you know salaried it it kind of depends you know I, I try to keep pretty close to a 40 hour work week probably a little bit more than that uh just yeah. to keep myself fresh but every time i go into um trying to do some major feature or some uh especially when it comes time to release time that's where i'm definitely putting in the longer days to Mm-hmm. really nailed this thing down, especially when like right now, app review times are nine, hour, or sorry, nine days. So yeah. uh, i got to make sure that thing is correct the first time through because I really can't afford to put it through again. That's nuts.
2: So moving on, we had um, uh, Jaime posted some stuff about, uh, and he was telling us that his his uh, fiancé has just come back from Taiwan and has, so, has been exposed to some interesting things about uh, about the Asian market over there. Um, and he posted something on the, our podcast notes about um, new mobile uh, uh, trends in UI that that uh, are a bit topsy-turvy to what we would consider normal or best practice. So, Jaime, do you want to jump in there?
0: Yeah, so this is a, a rather lengthy and, and quite interesting blog post by uh, Dan Grover, um, who works... Um, actually... I think it's a product manager at WeChat, if I'm not mistaken, which is one of the um, the, the Chinese apps that are equivalent to something like a WhatsApp, right? Or a Facebook mm-hmm. Messenger, roughly, is the best equivalent. And he talked about some of the things that he's noticed as he's used the the native apps over there. And the, the thoughts on things are, are quite a bit different. So we've seen things move here in the West to be progressively... Um, much more single-focused, right? So we talked about even something like Facebook or Foursquare that split its apps into two to try to give Mm -hmm. more dedicated experiences uh, within those apps. In general, that's kind of quite the opposite for app design over in China where apps are becoming, you know, almost like portals into other things where they're dealing Mm -hmm. with banking and lottery tickets and you know, things that are not chat apps have chat, and they have games integrated, and things that are not popular over here so much, like QR codes and indeterminate red badges that are on tabs that kind of just hint that you need to go look at something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're we're talking over here about like, well, we should probably remove the hamburger button. The hamburger button is, oh my god, that's so terrible for your analytics, and people don't like it. It's kind of quite the opposite over there, where they're kind of solidifying on a discover tab that's meant for all sorts of sundry items. And hmm. they're they're really big on I mean we we talk so much about Apple Pay and you know Google Wallet and all these other things and you know mobile payment is much more integrated over there like much more deeply integrated into apps and and things like um I can't remember if WeChat for sure but I'll I'll switch over you know to the other part of Asia in Japan LINE the um the chat app line over in japan uh beyond having like a taxi set up like an uber type thing and they have their own games that are integrated with the chat app they've also started line pay so they have their own mobile payment solution hmm so it's 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 kind of as if you took all of the the conventional wisdom and all of the best practices as we know them here in the west Flip them on their head, and those are the best practices over in, in the East. And, and part of where it came up in terms of, you know, I'd I, I made this this point that you know, wow, it, it kind of seems like Kate Upton is everywhere because I keep seeing those ads, you know, in mobile games. Um, I keep seeing them on Facebook, and I keep seeing the ads on actual even TV, like normal TV. I'm watching, you know, ESPN Sports Center or something. And I'll see the the mm-hmm. Game of War app where she's, you know, dressed in like some medieval kind of outfit and walking through. And I thought that was a lot. And I was like, wow, that's a lot of money they're spending. What? That's and, right. <laughs> and then I listened to my fiance. She's describing how over there in Taiwan, when she was there recently over the holidays, she saw, you know, not only the, all everything that I talked about, but you'll see buses completely covered with games, you know, just mobile only games. These are not Nintendo or Sega or Sony or Microsoft. These are, you know, the, the Candy Crush's equivalent in the world over there. And she described some of the games, I didn't even know what they were. They're, they're definitely Chinese only games. And right, right. she described, and she has a video that I'll have to see if I can get for her and maybe share, where they're going from, you know, one level of the, I don't know if it was the mall or like the subway or something, but they're on a escalator going down and this escalator ride was long enough that she had enough time to notice that there was all of this banner, like this huge, long strip banner going to, down the side of the walls, in between the escalator, you know, the up and down escalator, and on the other side of the wall. Enough time to take the phone, realize that, take the phone out of her pocket, find, you know, on, on an Android phone, find the video, and then take another 10 to 15 second video showing me this enormous banner for a mobile app. Wow. And, I mean, this, the, the level of advertisement over there is, like, at a completely different level. And, and the, the whole notion of, like, you know, maybe trying not to oversell and all these other things is, like, completely different than it is here.
1: Like, it just it seems that they're just trying to cram everything into every app, right? So they're they're trying to build dynasties over there. Like, you know, WeChat, something that is basically unheard of in the North America, is massive over there. I was just seeing something the other day where they've they've got the ability to order food in WeChat. So you go to a restaurant, you sit down, you want some dumplings. Here, open up WeChat. Here's the menu. You know, pay for it because they've got a wallet integrated in there too with, uh, you know, every app. You know, and this this, uh, article that that Jaime linked to uh, has this as well. Like you can have all these different apps and they all have mobile payment components to them. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, just so that you can buy stuff from within the app, it's hilarious. Like there are no rules. That's that's the thing, is that in North America we're all stuck on making sure everything <laughs> is you know proper and works correctly and is safe and, and of course we've got all of these uh, these you know entrenched interests that are that are stopping progress in so many ways. You know people like the carriers and you know existing banks and financial institutions that don't want stuff like this to happen. Um, so Apple Pay is going to come out in North America and be nice and orderly uh, with, mm-hmm. with carefully tailored rollouts. But in, in China, you know, it's the Wild West, you know, the Wild East. <laughs> it's going crazy over there.
0: So it's kind of interesting. So I'm looking at one of the, the ones that really sticks out to me, which is China Merchants Bank. And, you know, you have things that you can kind of expect a banking app to do, like, you know, let's say topping up your phone plan. That's a natural integration with a bank right it's it's pretty easy to understand uh booking travel and movie tickets okay i can kind (laughs) of see that all right all right all right i'm still gonna have to use money and that's kind of related to a bank the one Hmm. that is crazy for a a westerner such as myself is lottery tickets
1: oh yeah why can you buy
0: lottery tickets from your banking app
1: because you can make money (laughs) yeah
0: <laughs> I mean, it kind of makes sense when you look at it that way, but it's just so culturally like, wow! That I, I would not have expected that.
2: Yeah, well, it's interesting. I was going to say one of my battery one of my picks was an app called Battery, which I, I was a little hesitant to, to mention it at first, and I was actually hesitant to install it once I once I I saw that it was actually it's actually from a Chinese publisher, and you know, over here we're we're leery of that kind of stuff. And, but one of the things I didn't talk about in the app is they have this, you know, they've got the status of your battery and charge and memory and, and you know, ability to clear up memory and get rid of app memory that's not being used. But they've, the, the fifth tab over here is market and it's like a little mini iTunes store right in the app. Oh my you God. You know, and they recommend, they recommend apps and, you know, and, and they've got like the little, the, the short, short banners and they I'm always getting notices from, from the app, you know, saying, or, you know, here's like a must have category, you know, with typical stuff in it. And and it's just, I I look at this and I, I, I thought it was really cheesy when I first saw it. And I, I, you know, I wouldn't necessarily go into something here, but, you know, I, you know, it, it's just, I, I can see how that, like, why would you put this sort of, and it's not a simple little couple of things listed. There's probably, there's hundreds and hundreds of apps
1: listed on this one tab. Isn't this in you contravention know? of the uh, app store rules? You can't have another store. Inside your app
2: Well, right? I, I don't necessarily no I'm not saying this is a store I think I, I would I would think that these are probably using uh, mechanisms like the the iTunes affinity account where you you click on something and then you get sent over to, to the affinity program and you know then they they probably fire you off let me tra- I'll click on one just to see what happens uh, let's see free yeah it fires me off to an app store sheet on on iTunes right and yeah so now so now it's it's just, it's I'm still in the app but I've I, it's loaded up a store sheet for this particular particular app right so so that's not a contravention of of the rules, but uh, interesting, interesting use of. Uh, but and it's like, it's like they put way more effort. And I I wouldn't be surprised if every single app that this particular publisher has has this market tab in it. Oh, almost know? certainly, in, yeah. Yeah, and in keeping with and the other day, I actually got a a message from somebody in it, and it was all written in Chinese, like you know. So I deleted it because I couldn't read it. But <laughs> but you know, so so. It's you know it, it, obviously it's something that's happening as a more of a trend over there, right? So it bodes well for our for our two life app, which has got all kinds of stuff in it, similar similar idea. Hmm. hmm.
1: You should do a Chinese curiouser localization.
2: Curiouser and curiouser. <laughs> well, we did do a Chinese localization, and we're actually we're um, our two our three biggest languages are our sorry second biggest language is Chinese. So you, English is is the number one, and then our markets are United States, Canada, and China in that order, and then the rest are all small wedges on the pie right so
1: mm-hmm.
2: and part of the yeah.
0: reason i even brought this up is i think it it works pretty well with something like what we're trying to do you know, as into developers and that there are other markets out there beyond just you know even the traditional western ones right um and as we mentioned before in, in the Moneyball episode like there are market inefficiencies out there where beyond just oh like localization, meaning take my, my current app as designed with a Western eye, add in the localization strings to change it to Russian or Chinese or Hungarian. Um, Maybe he's taking a step back and thinking about, well, what does that market expect and what can I do to, to compete? And and I'll give a pretty good example where here um, Amazon is everything, right? As as far as uh, e-commerce goes Um, over in Japan, they're, hardly even a name it's it's all about rakuten over there and part of that is because rakuten is meeting the japanese consumers needs and amazon is not
1: amazon Amazon is designing things as a westerner (laughs) outside of the u.s they don't care and i guess the uk but yeah that's not surprising Mm -hmm. at all you know but how how can a westerner uh truly get the mindset of someone in china to design an app that would compete there that seems uh, mm-hmm. like a, a really tall order.
0: Indeed, I don't think it's necessarily for everybody, and it probably would take some some research and possibly
2: some networking to to really yep. get that information. So, so Aaron, are you saying there's yet another app store?
1: <laughs> Stop it. <laughs>
2: Well, I was going to say that my, my uh, stepson used to run an English as a second language school, and a lot of their students came from Japan and China. And, uh, and this is, you know, going back 10 years ago. I mean, they, they were around the time of SARS and all that kind of stuff. And I remember him, because you know, back in the day, we were all using Blackberries and Nokias and all that kind of stuff. It was long before the iPhone came along. And the phones that these kids had were just amazing, some of the, some of the features they had, and the things that, that we're doing in, over in, in Asia that we hadn't even you know, even begun to think about, right? So very very
0: different market for sure oh check this out yet another app store.com available for 12.99 on hover
1: <laughs> oh my goodness
2: i better register that one <laughs> i think i did register the other app store by the way you know oh you didn't oh yes you did i'm sure you did <laughs> sure i'm, a, I'm a, i get them pretty cheap you know the other app store.com oh no somebody else registered there you go Is- oh no i did register it sorry <laughs> Okay. And it, and it redirects to the More Than Just Code podcast, so there you go. <laughs> Collected it Pokemon, from Conan, huh? <laughs> I got that idea from Conan O'Brien. It, it's, it's a funny thing. He mentioned once on a show about 10 years ago that every time they mentioned a uh, website as a joke on his show, NBC had to go and register it. That was kind of the broadcast rules, right? So I stole that idea. Sorry.
1: So. Um, not only you know we know the economy in China in particular is exploding, right that things are happening so quickly over there. Like look at a company like Xiaomi, right? Um, mm-hmm. which just like you hadn't heard of even a year ago, I don't think. They, they are China's one of China's largest uh, cell phone makers. So they, in fact, they make all kinds of consumer products, but they make uh, phones and tablets and electronics. Uh, now they also make air pur- purifiers. Um, mm. and uh, humidifiers and things for the home um, they're very popular and what they do is uh, historically what they've done is when they release a phone which looks suspiciously like something out of Cupertino they uh, mm-hmm. make it in limited quantity and release it uh, to mass appeal but only say a million people get one because that's mm. all they make Um. And they've been accused of copying Apple's designs, and fairly, I think. But over just the last year, they have begun developing their own designs. They hired Hugo Berra from Google, um, who was one of the Android product developers, uh, to come over and, and help them and fix that whole reputation with their design issues. There's talk of them coming into the North American market. Uh, I don't know how serious it is. Uh, but they're, they've gone from nothing to being one of China's largest uh, phone manufacturers to being an electronics company that, that could have a larger presence worldwide uh, within the next couple years, um, which is a huge story. And so even these apps that, that Jaime's uh, been showing us with this article, um, you know, it's, it's a massive amount of foment out there trying different things, cramming things into apps where it doesn't feel like it belongs. They're just, they're trying things, you know, like, like what Facebook's, um, you know, sort of messages, uh, move fast and break things. Uh, that's, there's a whole country out there of a billion people doing that. And, uh, it's amazing to see. And, you know, those of us, uh, sitting here in very relatively quiet North America watching this happen is, is mind boggling. Just mind-boggling.
0: Indeed. And I'll throw a, a bone to our Android friends out there. So we talked about Xiaomi, like, literally ripping off things from Apple, like even their CEO trying to look like Steve Jobs with the, oh, yeah, the, their the, turtle, the black turtleneck and the sweater and the one more thing a bit. Um, but recently, uh, I, I'm sure we could all agree that the the Note name is something I associate with Samsung, oh, right? Yes, Samsung's Galaxy Note. Yep. Now Xiaomi has a phablet that is called the Mi Note. Yeah, curious.
1: Very curious. So it's kind
0: of shameless in the in the copying and, and, and writing the cocktails of others for sure.
1: Yeah. And that's a cultural thing, right? Like China just does not have, you know, I, I want to say the same respect for, you know, other people's ideas but that's not how it is at all like you just can't even look at it that way they just they 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 regard copying as as a the sincerest form of flattery you know like of Mm -hmm. course you're going to build on on the previous inventions of other people i mean that's that's how we grow and that's true you know like we've you know if you ever seen the um this the video series everything's a remix um yes do you know what i'm talking about yeah, I've seen that one. Um, I'll put a. We should put a link in the show notes. But uh, this is a great series um, of videos that outline how intellectual property, you know, in North America over the last, you know, centuries um, has built on everything from before it. Um, so, you know, I think China truly exemplifies that. And you know, we mock companies, even like we mock Samsung, and and you know, I have so little respect for them. But maybe it's misplaced because. You know, when when you get right down to it, we do build on everything else before. Um, just sometimes those steps seem smaller when they're being done by these Chinese companies because you can co- so clearly see what they're building on from before. Mm-hmm. I'm going to paste this link into the show notes, uh, or sorry, sure. into the Skype okay. chat, and then you can uh, sure. add it to the show notes, please, um, mm-hmm. and get a sense of what I'm talking about here. This is a great video series. His name is Kirby Ferguson. Uh, so he's a filmmaker and uh, a really smart guy. So... You can see what, uh, what that's all about. All right. So
2: I guess we'll wrap it up uh, at this point and go around the table, see if anybody has any picks, if maybe Aaron's picked one out during the show. Um, <laughs> Hi, I've been any too picks? busy talking. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, me, do you have any picks? I do have a pick,
0: and it's called uh, Swap Heroes. It's a game, and it's got that uh, kind of old-school Super Nintendo pixel art going for it. And I feel like that was kind mm-hmm. of a, a nice follow-up to last week's uh, Pisco app and, and Magic of voxel mm-hmm. discussion for mm-hmm. my pick. And uh, it's a nifty little game. It's, you know, pretty cheap as far as games go. Um, I don't recall there being any in-app purchases, but I've played the game enough that I earned all the all the coins I needed to unlock the different characters. And the basic mm-hmm. concept is that it's um, it's a pretty difficult strategy game where you are given four characters so you have kind of these archetypical characters like you know an archer a thief uh a healer and the i forget what the tank is called mm-hmm. but you're on a grid and you have three of your members up front and one member in the back and every time you swap one of the um members of your team like move from left to right or move from front to back, everybody on the team will trigger whatever an action is. And if they're in the front row, they'll generally, uh, you know, attack and some can attack, you know, at a very short distance, but very powerful. And some from long distance like the archer, but very weak. And then they have a special move that they do when they move from the back to the front and the enemies that are coming along kind of have their own techniques and they're kind of, marching along towards you, trying to get close to to beat you up. And it starts out, you know, somewhat easily. Oh, okay. I I beat these guys pretty easily. Not too hard. You get an Mm -hmm. upgrade screen where you can choose from some sort of randomly selected, you know, this character gets more health or this character, uh, their super move becomes more powerful, but it really ramps up in difficulty about three or four levels in. And so if you're into the whole, like, Thinking ahead and not just you know tap 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 blowing something up. You really have to think with these ones. Is like okay, well, <laughs> okay, this guy really needs to get healed, so he needs to move to the back. But I kind of need his ability two turns from now to stop this you know this line of crabs. And I, I just dig it. I love it. It's like playing a game of chess
2: in a mini so micro. Is this, is this like those form. old? Uh, is this like those old console games where you know you used to take turns at? Attacking, uh, I can't think, like Final Fantasy or whatever. I can't remember what those games were, but my kids used to play them. But um, where you'd have you'd have a bunch of guys standing on a, on the screen, and, and one person would take a turn at you know shooting, and then another person would take a turn at shooting, and it was like, in my opinion, very yeah. slow gameplay. But is that the kind of thing that it is? It's kind of like that, but in a much more condensed form.
0: So it, I would say it's a lot like a Final Fantasy, except you don't have a ton of options. It's pretty much just swap positions of your teammates and they will all automatically do something. So you have to think about what is that automatic thing they're going to do. Right. Does that make sense? Like, okay, well I need to move the healer from the back to the front because I need them to automatically heal everybody that's up front. But then that puts them in a place where they're going to get beat up by the huge, enormous knight with the big sword.
2: Right. So it's more of a strategy sort of, um, What's the word I'm thinking of? It's more, it's not, you're not racing a car around a track. You're kind of thinking sort of ch- like chess, like you're kind of, um, what's the word I'm thinking of? Oh man.
0: Yeah. So I get it's your point. It's, it's not a, it's not yeah. a Twitch game, right? But it's yeah. fast paced yeah. at the same time. So it's the sort of thing that you could, you could play a level while you're waiting in line at, uh, like target. Right.
2: Oh yeah. Mm hmm. We we don't know what that's like anymore here in Canada. Just close <laughs> yeah, the that, was, now. that was an inside joke. <laughs> Target. What
1: what is that?
2: Yeah. Is that some well, let's kind say of why like, you why waiting for star? coffee at Tim Hortons. Sort of, sort of a Walmart wannabe. I think is what it is. Must be. Yep. Mm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: That's how that's how we uh, managed to sell off all of our old Zeller stores. We got Target to buy them. Um. <clears throat> all right. Well, and uh, Mark, do you have a pick? I, I do not have one this week. Sorry. Do not have a pick. Okay. <gasps> How irresponsible. I? I,
1: <laughs> I got a pick. That's it. It's the Macintosh. Oh, you have, have you heard of it? <laughs> I mean, it's such a yeah. great computer. You should totally get one.
2: Hey, you oh. know, speaking of... I was just so going to say... You are going to talk about that, that, that Mac from Germany, the, the retro oh. fitted, uh 12? Have you looked See, at that one? Yeah. See,
1: here's the thing. I, I I can't decide which I want more. That that yeah. computer, that beautiful rendering that was made by this German design company that looks like the front panel of a Mac Classic. Um, yeah, is it not a real product? No, it's not real. Oh, oh my God. Oh, sigh. If, I know. Hey, eh? If only for real. I think <laughs> if I had a thousand electronics wait, wait a experts a just went off yeah. to make... Uh, that thing real? Maybe I don't know. Wow, wow. <laughs> it would be lovely yeah. though, wouldn't it? Oh, oh, I would love yeah. one of those things. I don't even know what I'd use it for. I just have it sitting on a desk in a prominent part of my house. Yeah, um, I want to see what the so carry gorgeous. bag
2: looks like on that thing. <laughs> yeah.
1: The other, the other thing to talk about would be was, is actually you know maybe just as unreal uh, the twelve inch uh, MacBook Air uh, that mm-hmm. that was rumored last week. Uh, that yeah, is also very port, interesting, right? Thing. With one with one port, a USB C port, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyone interested yeah. in that? Is it just me? Does it a interested stand? in that? No, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> it looks very oh, it exciting. Back
2: to the, it, harkens, it. harkens back to the old uh, Power, PowerBook G4 that was a 12 inch and, and yeah, yeah. It was 12-inch. very very. It was very it had a square screen. A lot of people were into it because of the size. It was I think it was the smallest Mac at the time, right? Other than the uh, the that was just the Duos. before the MacBooks came out. Yeah, they were the, the but, duos, yeah. Yeah, but the whole—I I think there was a there was a uh, a big flame up about the one port. I mean, that's the power port and the interface for everything, right?
1: Well, you don't actually know that, right? Like we've just got a well, rumor. So yeah. like everything here is, is is shipped with a boulder of salt, but. Well, um, you know, like if if the only input is is this single port, this USB port, then then yeah, that's a problem. But you know, what yeah. if it has a magnetic inductive charging port on the bottom of it? You don't know. Ooh, um, ooh. You know, like it could sit on a table and just get charged up. I don't know. Mm. But uh, mm. you know, we can we can dream. It's not like Apple doesn't have that technology because it's coming out. But the, watch, but the right? guy
2: the guy who spun the the rumor is uh, Mark was German. Nine to five. Yeah, he he's generally been pretty accurate though, hasn't he?
1: yeah he's got a Isn't very good really? track record he's not perfect but yeah. he's got a good track record so um, that that's what gives it the credence that's why everyone's talking about it it's because it comes from a good source um, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. and and it's plausible too right I mean we we've known Apple to uh, shockingly cut things out um, yeah, yeah you know like the from the from the floppy drive to legacy ports to the optical drive um, mm-hmm. so you know and the MacBook air name you know the the sort of theory that predicates the whole model line, um, is, you know, an ultra light portable laptop. Um, and it just so happens that the march of progress has given us a MacBook air that is both incredibly thin and light and powerful, you know? And so Mm -hmm. now it's maybe time to reset the clock on that and, you know, Mm -hmm. make it a little, um, compromised, I guess you might say, uh, for the sake of being incredibly thin and light more so. Mm. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. So cool. very interesting so to me. I, I hope pick. to see. Yeah. My pick is go look into it and see the renders and mm-hmm. of that German one too, which was unbelievable.
0: You know, that German one, the, the design, the really beautiful design, you can check it out in the show notes that harkens back to the, the original Mac. It was kind of hilarious seeing some of the, the blogosphere Well, not blogosphere. I should say the, the forumosphere, the, the, the folks, you know, responding to articles um, some of them were making hilarious um, digs at it, like, oh, my gosh, that bezel's too thick. Why don't they just go edge to edge, blah, blah, blah. It's like, <laughs> because that misses wow. the point, folks. <laughs> it's supposed to harken back to the old Mac. If you got rid of the yeah, bezel, yeah. it
1: would not look like the old Mac. Uh, I just brought it up again. Right. Oh, my God. I'm in love again. I love it so much. <laughs> I want it. <laughs> that is amazing. Oh, I you picked could- yeah, that's my pick. Cool. I, I, I thought your
2: pick was the one-port one port, one port uh, Mac. Anyway. Couldn't um, decide. Codenamed code Unicorn. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right. So well, my my pick actually goes back to, uh, I think it was uh, two years ago at WWDC when Anki Drive was premiered. And it was actually uh, brought onto the stage before. And it's, it's, these, it's these little cars that, you, that have uh, artificial intelligence built into them and we we managed to get uh, a set of those for Christmas for the grandkids, and uh, you know they've since bought and gone out and bought two more cars to have even more fun uh, but what 's interesting about it is is it 's not just you put the cars on the track and and, uh, and you tilt you tilt to drive them and you have uh, um, weapons buttons and you can you know just like you know in a, in a traditional uh, Mario Kart kind of thing, you can fire hazards at your at your opponents but They've sort of added a whole sort of gamification into the into the cars. Like for instance, if you, you when you get two cars with the set, if you buy a third car, you actually have to beat that car in a race in order to be able to take control of it, right? So yeah. and so they've added this this whole sort of little um, and then once you do that, then you can you can access all the features of that particular car. So they've added this whole sort of uh, game game sort of side to it. And what's cool about it is if you have little kids and, and you're concerned about their uh, amount of time they 're spending in front of their devices is, is it 's an actual you know object in the real world and gets their whole brain thinking about artificial intelligence and robotics and all that other kind of cool stuff and it 's lots of fun and, and actually, I posted a few uh, videos that my my grandsons made to uh, to uh, my youtube channel um, because he 's just totally enamored with this thing, which is really kind of cool so I, they, they made me play it last week when I was there, so I had to you know, download the app and earn my right to, to race them and all that kind of stuff. So it was kind of an interesting, interesting little uh, thing. And that was uh, Anki Drive that was released at uh, WWDC, I think, 2013. Alrighty then. So that's it for the week. So, uh, Aaron, how can people find you on the
1: interwebs? Using their Twitters, uh, AaronVay on Twitter or on my website at, uh, well, let me think, Innovative.com, dot com.
2: Hi, Mia. how can people get a hold of you? at dev of the hair and dev of the hair.com. Right. And possibly we'll see you at NS North as well. Um, and Mark, how can people get a hold of you? Mark
3: R at com.
2: Oh, and before I go, I just want to uh, mention uh, my, uh, of course, I am Tim Mitra at T I M M I T R A on Twitter. But I also want to mention uh, for those of you who are thinking about R W Devcom, or maybe you're going to it. Um, they just posted the full uh, schedule of speakers on the, uh, rwdevcon.site and that's happening in less than two weeks I think Um, so I'll see a bunch of people there hopefully Um, yeah and that's it and we'll uh, post some stuff in the outro you can always find us on the website mtjc.fm and on twitter as mtjc underscore podcast and we'll see you in the funny papers or next week okay bye bye If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. There you can find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the items we talked about on the show, as well as links to the apps on the App Store. If you like the podcast, please leave a comment on the website, or if you can, please write a review on iTunes. It really helps others find out about the show. You can also follow us on Twitter. Once again, the podcast Twitter account is at mtjc.fm. TJC underscore podcast if you'd like to support us you can pledge any amount on patreon.com slash mtjc you can provide as a little as a dollar a month, any amount helps however you're free to do as you please thanks again for listening yeah so like i said um yeah, apparently the site launches on Tuesday and I guess they are going to have a group rate at NS North which will be good. So Good for everybody. So you are actually thinking of coming down or Yeah, I'm thinking of going to that. Got to yeah, figure out the the whole conference season coming up. I definitely would like to go to NS North and and it would have been handy for me because it's it, the old conference was right by the old by the train line so I could just go down to Union Station, grab a train mm-hmm. and you know, spend 80 bucks and sit in comfort, comfort and, you know, arrive there in no time at all. Right. Like, you know, and you know, you get wifi and all that kind of stuff on the train. So it's not like total time lost. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, if you want to fly, it's like an hour flight from Toronto to Ottawa. There's a bunch of the air Canada flies and a bunch of smaller airlines like Porter airline flies down there. They fly out of the Toronto airport, which is again, downtown for me. So it's easy to get to. Um, but, uh, what was I was going to say the, um, yeah, so this is like halfway between Quebec City or between Ottawa and Montreal, and it's at a at a I think a ski chalet, right? So mm-hmm. I love the I love the thing about getting the whole Canadian experience. I don't think half of us in Canada have had the Canadian experience by that definition. <laughs> <laughs> like it's out, it's out, in, it's out in the, you know, it's out in like the, the country sort of thing, you know, amongst the pine trees, and you know, I'm sure there'll be tons of snow on the ground and all that kind of stuff. Anyway. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, so would you fly into, like, Montreal or like, Toronto, do you think, Jaime? Do you know? Do you have any idea how you would get there? I looked at both, and I think the flights were about the same. So it was
0: the yeah. distance that was the, the biggest uh, difference yeah. for
2: me. You know, the other thing, too, is there, there's a couple of international airports around Burlington, Vermont, right? And uh, so it might be cheaper to stay in the United States as far as airfare is concerned. I mean, that's usually what we do is we, you know, if we we really want to go uh, down to the States on a budget, a lot of people drive down to Buffalo or they'll drive to, you know, somewhere somewhere in the the States, like to to basically grab a flight from there because it's a lot cheaper. Have you ever done that, Aaron?
1: Oh, yeah. All the time. I fly out of Buffalo all the time.
2: And do you find like like because flying out of Canada, like flying out of
1: Toronto is is sometimes prohibitively expensive, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And uh, a domestic flight in the States is quite inexpensive compared to an international flight. Right,
2: right, right. Yeah, because you can always just rent a car and then drive that. Because I mean, if you if you flew to Toronto or Montreal, you're going to be driving. How did you, you figure out how long it's going to be a drive to drive to the Shadow Montableau?
0: Mont-Ableau? Fort, Forty five minutes to an hour, and I can't remember out of which airport that was. <clears throat> mm, that
2: right. must
1: be
0: Montreal.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's pretty. I think it's sort of equidistance between the two. And and yeah, that's true because you would it would it wouldn't save you time to fly to Toronto and then fly to Ottawa because it'd be like I if there's no direct flight to Ottawa so. Probably Montreal will be a better flight for you guys. Or, or like I said, Burlington might be a better one for people coming from the States.
3: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things.
1: Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing.